this is Bobby Newman. I'd like to welcome you to this week's Research Minutes, the CPRI Knowledge Hub's weekly podcast where we interview researchers about the latest work being done in the field to help improve education. This week, I have the pleasure of speaking with Wang Yu Sebastian Chern, Assistant Professor of International Education at New York University about his study, The Importance of Minority Teachers, Student Perceptions of Minority versus White Teachers, which was recently published in The Educational Researcher. Thank you so much for joining me today. Can you tell me a little bit about the background for your work? The story of the paper actually comes from my experience as a public school teacher, a middle school teacher. Um, I taught in San Francisco for a few years, and pretty much all of my work, all of the papers are explorations of moments and interactions and feelings that I had as a middle school teacher that, you know, now as, a, as an academic, I can take a, you know, I have the, the leisure of time and, you know, research to figure out, was there something with the story or the experience that I had? Was I very unique or was my experience quite shared by many teachers? So I taught in a school that was actually not very racially diverse. It was about 80% Black students. 20% Samoan, Latino, and one Chinese student. The students themselves, they talk, I mean, this is middle school, so if we can reflect on our own middle school identities, where people, you know, students started to talk about their identities, and oftentimes in a broader context. So race was mentioned in almost every single conversation we had, particularly the larger class conversations. I remember my first time uh, in the classroom, this is, you know, I was an algebra teacher, so I was you know, full of, you know, math pedagogy. And the very first conversation I had, a student with big eyes looked at me and she said, do you speak English? And, you know, I said, I do, but don't worry about it. I actually teach you math. And then students laughed, right? <laughs> um, and then another student called her out saying, you know, you can't say that, that's racist, right? And she looked really offended. And my first conversation with my class, my homeroom class, had nothing to do with math, really. It had everything to do about race, my racial identity, their racial identities. And so the, this paper actually centers on uh, the student's perspective. The, the, the survey project, the data I used comes from a project called the Measures of Effective Teaching, which is a really large survey of different metropolitan areas. And they have this extensive student survey where they ask students many questions on their uh, homeroom teacher, their thoughts on the homeroom teacher. And in some ways, I, I actually don't pay too much attention on what every single question is. So when you ask students to report you know, different uh, perceptions and opinions on their teachers that by and large students of all different racial ethnic backgrounds actually seem to have more favorable perceptions of Latino and to an extent black teachers than they do of white teachers. And I should preface this by saying students actually had a pretty high opinion of all of, I mean, the averages were quite high across the board. Right. Um, so in some ways, a very positive note is that students seem to be um, towards the positive end on their perceptions of all of their teachers. But then when you actually look at kind of the more specific breakdown, you find that uh, teachers of color and in this in this survey, uh, teachers of color were only Latino and black teachers. There were not enough Asian American or indigenous teachers to actually be identified um, that students across racial ethnic backgrounds seem to actually have higher, more favorable perceptions of these teachers compared to white teachers. What methods did you use for your analysis? So the, the survey itself, it's a large scale survey. There are, I think, 60,000 students that we had. So definitely more the statistical side. Almost all of my work draws from kind of econometric or demographic methods, but I always like to ask questions that I would say one of my former 13 year old students can understand. And the question really just is, does the teacher's race and ethnicity matter in how you know, students think of their teacher? In some ways, this paper actually takes on this body of literature that's called race matching, right? Um, and this 
literature argues pretty much that Black students benefit particularly from having Black teachers. And there's some evidence that shows that on some measures, on academic measures, it's important for Black students to have Black teachers. I actually find in the study that we do find that Black students do prefer Black teachers particularly, but of all of the student groups that prefer Black teachers the most, it's actually Asian American students. And no one would ever say that's race matching. And in fact, there is bodies of literature that kind of, you know, historically place Asian American and Black relationships relationships throughout U.S. history as not necessarily a very positive relationship. So the broader argument that I actually have is it's not really necessarily about, you know, a certain racial ethnic category of teacher. And in some ways, it's not even that, oh, we must recruit, we can only recruit more teachers of color. I think that teachers of color, perhaps through their own experiences, are able to work with youth of all different backgrounds in a way that's really important for youth, right? And that white teachers I mean, again, on average, white teachers don't do it as much as teachers of color, but that's definitely not to say that in this survey of 6,000 teachers, they're not white teachers that are, that are able to do this. I think that all teachers should be much more systematically trained to identify what is it about the relationships they can forge with different types of students. I mean, as, a, as an example, from my own experience, oftentimes my white colleagues would feel very awkward about having conversations about race with my students. Race became almost this negative thing, right? A bad thing. Race was synonymous with racism, where for my students, the vast, I mean, the vast majority of conversations about race were about, I mean, a little bit of compounding with culture. So they would say, oh, you know, in my, you know, in my family, right? Or black people do this, right? We have barbecues, we do this, we do that. And I mean, that's overwhelmingly positive. Right. And for me, in my own experience as a Taiwanese American, I mean, at home, we never really used the word race, but we talked about our, our identity all the time. Right. And it was our ethnic identity. And I think a lot of the white teachers were not, I mean, really because they weren't trained. Right. They were not trained to have these conversations. Oftentimes it would be very silent. Sometimes they would actually shut it down. And then students got the message. Right. We can't talk to this teacher about this. Right. About this important facet of our identity. Are there any limitations of this study that you think are important to keep in mind? So this study, oftentimes in big, you know, big survey, survey studies, we talk about something called nationally representative or probabilistic sample, which means that you know, the, this survey can be generalized to the student population of the United States. So the measures of effective teaching, this study was not a randomized, it wasn't a sample of all students in the United States. It actually focused on uh, six or seven large metropolitan areas. So it's, I mean, it's not a national story, but I think in many, many ways, the fact that we can find these differences within metropolitan areas actually speaks even more strongly to the kind of this interesting dynamic. So metropolitan areas oftentimes, I mean, oftentimes, and I think every single metro area in the U.S. serves a majority minority or close to my, uh, majority minority student population. And what we refer to as the demographic divide, the composition of students and the composition of teachers are very, very different in the United States. And oftentimes they're the most different in urban areas. So I think that although the, I mean, this survey is not a national survey, the fact that it focuses only on these metropolitan areas where oftentimes the divide is the biggest is actually, it works in some ways in our favor, right? Not that we, I mean, I didn't collect the data, but I think that this story, if we were to go to, for instance, a suburban area, particularly a, a racially diverse suburban area, you would find the same story that would echo. What implications does your research have for state and district level policymakers? 
So one thing I always want to say is, I mean, interpretation of the study could be actually quite damning of teachers and in particular white teachers, or I never want people to interpret my work like this. I mean, I started this in our conversation by saying I used to be a middle school teacher. It is not easy to be a teacher in I think any context, but particularly the United States and particularly in urban areas where oftentimes the hours are longer, the expectations are higher, the training sometimes is worse, right? So in some, I mean, in many, many ways, I say that this it identifies first that it seems that teachers of color are bringing something to the table that students are responding to in a very favorable way. I believe what they're bringing into the table is actually their own experience and more fluency and comfort talking about things like race. I believe that many white teachers are doing the same, but I think that all teachers need to be much more systematically trained. One finding, my newer work actually looks more at how teachers are trained to talk about race and multiculturalism. And I mean, a pretty consistent finding, particularly in urban areas, are that new teachers always feel very underprepared to talk about conversations about race, about identity, about gender, or so, and any of these things, right? They're like, we seem okay, we're, we're well-trained in the math part, but we actually have very little training in talking to our students about their lives, right? Although, you know, I would love to think that my students' algebra is part of their life. And so I think a lot of the burden actually should be placed on universities. Universities are the entities that train teachers. I think universities, we internally, I think we know that we don't do a very great job of this. Part of it is that universities are not held particularly accountable to this and that we're actually doing a disservice to first our teachers who walk into classrooms and they feel, un uh, they feel underprepared and then ultimately to the students who then sometimes cannot have these conversations that are not just good for their social lives, but I can easily argue for their academic lives. If the student feels safer in a space with the teacher, obviously that's gonna have academic benefits as well. So I actually have a study that's hopefully coming out soon that actually look, it links like a teacher's multicultural beliefs to how they actually teach in the classroom and then linking that teaching to actual academic outcomes. So I think the actual quantitative evidence is a little bit, it's just not there because a lot of the surveys don't collect measures of teaching and these kind of things, right? But I think for qualitative work, I mean, for at least a hundred years, right? The argument that if you create a more safe environment for students, students will do flourish not only socially, but academically, right? I think that argument, I mean, has been made and I mean, I think logically it makes sense. I just wanted to thank you for taking the time out to talk to me today and I look forward to reading your other work. Thank you for listening to Research Minutes. To share your thoughts on this discussion, head to KHUB Conversations at cprehub.org. To subscribe to our weekly podcast and listen to more interviews, head to soundcloud.com forward slash CPRI Knowledge Hub. And for the latest videos, podcasts, and discussion updates, follow us at CPRI Hub on Twitter and CPRI Knowledge Hub on Facebook. We look forward to hearing from you.